Well, it's a privilege to be here, and uh, it's strange being here without Kathy. Uh, she usually shares an update, uh, maybe a song. You're not going to hear me sing, so that's quite all right. I was sort of singing back there, but I was sort of blended in, and that's the best way I like it. Uh, but uh, uh, Kathy does uh, send her greetings, and uh, it's, yeah, it's just one of those times when family needs to get together. And so uh, she is... She is in Ontario right now uh, preparing for that. And she actually has the eulogy, and so that even adds extra onto her. So I would certainly ask that you continue to pray for her this afternoon. I'd just like to, before I speak, just share just a couple things of camp. We're still in need of kitchen help uh, throughout the summer. Uh, and before you say, well, that means i got to head up the kitchen, that's not true. Marjorie Fraser, some of you know her from uh, uh, Christian Women's and so on. Marjorie Fraser is going to be there from the second week through the rest of the summer to sort of help us head up the kitchen. She actually was there this weekend cooking for our staff, and they love that, uh, preparing stuff and, uh, and so on. So we're really grateful for that. But we're also in need of some health officers, people to uh, man the nurses' station and, uh, and, you know, put those Band-Aids on when they're needed and the gentle uh, care that uh, each uh, little kid and staff, yes, staff uh, actually end up in the nurses' cabin as well uh, for various reasons, often exhaustion. Uh, but uh, so if, if you know of somebody, uh, if maybe it's yourself and you can give us a week, talk to me afterwards, call the camp. We'd be more than happy to uh, uh, fit you in for a week. Also, uh, this week, uh, we are hoping to finish the drywall on the main floor uh, with, uh, in the building, but we're needing volunteers to help that. Uh, right now, uh, we have our spring crew there, and uh, most of them have helped Art Thiessen. Uh, Art Thiessen is our new project manager for the summer. Uh, some of you might know Art. Art was uh, also here for the uh, uh, CSM, or One Hope Concerts. Uh, he was sort of the greeter at the door and so on. Well, Art has taken on the job of being pro, uh, project manager, and... Uh, we're thrilled with that, uh, but uh, he can't do it alone. Lift, lifting 12-foot, 5-eighths uh, drywall uh, is really hard with one person. And uh, so if you have a day, uh, and that would be appreciated, uh, maybe you can even come when the women are coming to do the meatball bee, you know, save travel, you know, you travel together, there you go. Uh, anyways, just talk to me afterwards, I'd be more than happy to uh, uh, tell you uh, when and where. Uh, well, you know where, it's camp. Uh, but uh, if, if there's a day that works, Art is only there until Thursday this week, and then he's gone for a couple of weeks for other duties. And so we'd like to wrap that up on Thursday if possible. And that's exciting for us. It looks different now when you walk into that building. Instead of standing at the door and be able to see whoever is there, now you have to walk around and figure out where are they coming from, uh, the noise and whatever. So, uh, But God has been good, 
the drywall is moving along and uh, we're excited about that. We're also hoping uh, to uh, uh, get quotes on, on the mudding. And if you've got somebody that you have in mind that would do an amazing job, we want that amazing job, uh, the, uh, you know, the professional mudder, uh, that's where we would like to go. Uh, we can do it with volunteers, but those of you that uh, have done any construction work, you know what mudding is like. It's the last thing you see before you paint, and uh, we would like uh, we'd like a, a very good job done. So if, if you know of uh, a mudder that would be maybe willing to come and give us a quote, uh, talk to me afterwards. Anyway, that's the camp update, uh, and uh, much more can be said, and uh, I would be more than happy to talk to anybody afterwards. This morning, I'd like to uh, draw your attention to Judges chapter 6. Uh, it was uh, read earlier in the service, at least the first part of the chapter. That sort of gives our background as to where I want to go, but just uh, to give you the background, there's been about uh, 230 years of uh, roller coaster up to this point in the uh, once they've moved into the land of Canaan. And uh, if you were to go back into chapters 2, 3, and 4, you will see some amazing stories of how God uh, delivered them and then gave them peace. But then the people of Israel sort of walked away from God and God would put them under oppression again and then the people would cry out to God and they would give them peace for another 40 years or whatever and and it was just a roller coaster. And now we come to Judges chapter 6 and this is the uh, fourth period of Judges, the beginning of it, and uh, it's the story of Gideon. Now I'm not going to go to the tail end of the story of Gideon. Uh, we... We hear that one in Sunday school all the time, you know, break the torch, yell, and the Amorites uh, kill themselves, and, you know, and peace forevermore sort of thing, right? Uh, or the fleece. We know about the, the story of the fleece where Gideon had this problem with trust issues, or uh, is it really you talking, God? Uh, you know, prove it by making this moist when the ground is wet and vice versa, and we know those stories, but I want to start and, and introduce Gideon from Judges chapter 6. And again, I'm sure some of you know the story of him standing in the wine press. And that's where we want to start. Because you see, Israel needed a deliverer. They needed someone to come in and take on those mighty, mighty Midianites. We read in the first part of the chapter here that these Midianites, they had oppressed Israel for seven years. They ransacked, looted, they destroyed crops, destroyed herds. There was nothing left for the people of Israel. I find it interesting, they weren't killing people, they were just destroying everything that the Israelites were touching, basically starving them to death. Because nothing was left for them. And so Israel was living in fear. So much so they were running to the hills and making caves in the hills and hiding in caves and hiding in crevices so that they could at least live their life without the 
the presence of Midianites. And these Midianites were so strong, it says, the Bible says that they were like swarms of locusts. You couldn't count them. And, uh, so that, that's the picture in which we find the next part of the story. It says in verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizite, where his son Gideon was thrashing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. I think we can sort of understand why Gideon was now in a wine press. Because if he hadn't have been in the wine press, if he was threshing wheat like he would normally, Midianites would see it, they would confiscate it, and once again they would starve. So here's Gideon. He uses a wine press, someplace where it's somewhat secluded, somewhat out of sight, to try and get enough flour or enough meal to feed a family or to feed him um, and his family. And this angel of the Lord comes, sits down at the oak, and he says this, verse 12, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, there's some humor in God here, I think. (laughs) How is a man hiding from Midianites in a wine press, probably somewhat uh, looking over his shoulder, a mighty warrior? And yet, the angel Lord calls him that. Well, you see, I believe it's not because... It's not because he was. It's because he will become. God knew the possibilities and God knew the potential that Gideon had. Prior to uh, this happening, I wanted to touch on this too. Remember God sent a prophet? We read that this this morning. This is the first time a prophet is mentioned in scripture, at least uh, that what I have found. This is the first time a prophet is mentioned, and there's no name. He's not given a name. He's given one job, and that's the only job he had, and that was to declare the word of the Lord, and the sadness of that word is the tail end of verse 10 but you have not listened to me. And that's why Israel was in the predicament that they were. That's why Israel was in the state that they were. They had not listened to God. It wasn't the first time that they hadn't listened. They hadn't listened several times before, that roller coaster. And I think there's a lesson there for us. When we listen and obey, I think the the word that you read in the version you read was obey. You have not obeyed. Well, obey, obedience comes through listening. We've got to listen to God, but then we also have to obey. And when we don't listen to God, we put ourselves into danger. We put ourselves into uh, situations that... uh, we might say, well, why did God allow me to go through that? Often it's because we didn't listen to God in the first place. And God uses it as a discipline, or God uses it as a means to teach us that obedience to him is very important.
And that's what God was doing with the Midianites here. Obedience is important. And back to the story. Gideon in the wine press, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. I'm sure that Gideon sort of looked over his shoulder and said, what, who, me? <laughs> you got to be kidding. I'm timid, I'm fearful, I'm skeptical. Uh, how am I a mighty warrior? But again, God wants him to realize the potential that he has. But notice the phrase. It says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The reason why he can be a mighty warrior is because of God's ever-presence. And so Gideon goes on, verse 13. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has put us into the hand of the Midianites. Basically, he's saying, where were you, God? I mean, we're your chosen people. How come we're under oppression? How come? Basically, he didn't listen to the prophet. (laughs) The prophet said, you're here because you have not listened. But here's Gideon making excuses. You know, woe is me. You know, like I'm the only one that... uh, and. Why me? And boy, we hear that around uh, society today, don't we? When there's a tragedy or when there's a a hurt, when something goes wrong, uh, we say, well, if God's a God of love, then why does such and such happen? And we can probably think not too distant back. Think of the tragedy in uh, the hockey team in Humboldt, right? be very easy to say, well, where was God in all of that? Gideon is saying the same thing. So God, where were you? You're supposed to be our God, but this has happened to us, and you weren't around. You see, the real question should be not so much what, when, where, and why, but who is it that we are to trust? And we are to trust in the Lord God. And so Gideon, in a sense, argues with the Lord. And then the Lord, it's a dialogue. Here's verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midianites' hands. Am not I sending you? God did not answer his question about where were you when the Midianites came upon us. God does not always answer our questions. He doesn't have to answer our questions. He's God. But we can trust him. We can trust that he knows what is best for us, even when we think maybe he's made a mistake. (laughs) Because we might think we know better. But God does know. And so God says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Midianite's hand, am not I sending you? See, I don't believe Gideon really heard that last part, especially when we look at his next statement. 
am not I sending you? Gideon knew who God was. At least I believe he did. I I believe he had a concept of God. Uh, He had heard it through history. He had uh, probably uh, heard it mentioned maybe at at a a tabernacle meeting. I I don't know. But uh, I'm I'm sure that Gideon sort of had a an idea of God, and but probably never realized that God could actually personally talk to him. And so he has this dialogue. Gideon seems to hear the first part, go in the strength that you have, and he doesn't hear, lo, I am sending you. Because here's what Gideon says. But Lord... But, Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. Woe is me. You're choosing me? I mean, do you really know who I am, God? I mean, Manasseh is the youngest or the weakest tribe of the of the children of Israel, and my family is the weakest family in the tribe, and I'm the weakest guy in the family, like I'm a zero. And you want me to be a hero? God, are you sure you're talking to the right guy? You know, I I could just picture Gideon having this, this doubt. He's been called a mighty warrior, He's saying he's going to go and rescue Israel from the Midianites. And really, God, you really don't know who you're talking to. And the Lord answered, I will be with you. You will strike down all the Midianites together. What beautiful words those are. I will be with you. I don't know what struggle you're facing or where you view yourself uh, in the big picture of God. Uh, Do you see yourself as that child of God that uh, is just in love with God and and so on? Or or do you face tough times in your life? It doesn't matter. God is with you no matter what you're facing. God is with you. And those are beautiful Words, five power packed words that makes an unlikely, inadequate, unqualified person into the very person God uses. God uses us then to win some of His greatest victories, not because of our strength, but because of who He is in and through us. And that was, that's really the story of Gideon. God using a man that doesn't think very highly of himself, but eventually comes to realize that God wants to use him and lays himself before God, and God uses him in a mighty way. These are words that were spoken to Abraham when he left the Ur of the Chaldees. I will show you. The way I'll show you where you will go. Basically, I will be with you. 
It was words spoken to Moses at the burning bush when Moses had all the excuses, I can't speak, Um, you know, I I stutter and nobody's going to listen to me, uh, but I will be with you, so go. It was words spoken to Joshua when Joshua was a little nervous to cross over into Canaan and God says, go, I will be with you. It was words spoken to the prophets, to David, uh, it was spoken all through the Old Testament. It was words spoken to the disciples. I will be with you. And it's words spoken to us. God is with us. That's what Christmas is all about. Emmanuel, God with us. It's the story of Bible. It's the story of God. Here in Gideon's life. I will be with you, you mighty warrior. I will be with you. That's why you're going to defeat Midianites. And now the third time I will be with you, you will strike down the Midianites. And now we find Gideon wrestling with all of this, and he says, well, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. There it is. There's his, okay, prove it, Lord. Prove that who you are or this person talking to me is you. And he says, give me a sign that, is real, that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. He had a concept of God, and he was going to go away and cr- bring an offering. And I love this next passage, this, this next verse. And the, or the end of the verse, it says, And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. I think it's one of the most beautiful phrases of Scripture because it tells me that God is patient with me. He doesn't... Oh, he would love it if we would instantly <laughs> become holy and, and live a holy life. But because of God's patience, he woos us. He's a father. He gently uh, uh, beckons us. There's there's a gentleness to God. There's a patience to God. And God says, go ahead. I'll wait. I'll wait. And what does Gideon do? He has to go and prepare a goat. Probably had to go to the field and find it. He has to prepare a goat. And then uh, Ephaph a flower... He made bread, and then he put it in a basket, broth in a pot, and he brought it out to the angel under the oak. That didn't take 10 minutes. Uh, You farmers, if you have to prepare a goat and you first have to go and find it, there's 10 minutes right there, right? If not more. Uh, And preparing it, and then cooking it, building the fire. I mean, this is, sometimes when you read scripture, you can read over those things and realize that, you know, there's some times put here. And yet, when you read the very next line, it says, and the angel of God says, take the meat when he brings it to the angel. So the angel has stayed right where you said he was going to stay, well, all that is being done. The patience of God. 
And we asked them to pour it all out all over the stone, uh, lay the meat down, pour the broth out, lay the bread down, and the angel touches the stone, and fire comes out of the stone. The, everything is devoured instantly. The angel disappears, and in an instant, what took, what, a couple hours or more to prepare was gone in an instant. And Gideon knew instantly that was God. And now Gideon is terribly afraid. And he says, I'm going to die. I've seen the Lord face to face. Probably referring to Moses, the story of Moses in the cleft of the rock. But God says, no, you're not going to die. In other words, I've got a job for you to do. You're not going to die. And so Gideon built an altar and worshipped God. Gideon fell to his knees and realized that God was who he is. He says, and he calls the place, the Lord is peace. That's not, the Lord is uh, the cessation of troubles. It has more the idea of, and carries the idea of that, but it's also well-being, health, uh, richness. There's a big richness to God that we cannot fully understand. And so this is the story of Gideon. The rest is just him trusting God to do the mighty work and becoming the mighty warrior that he was destined to become. I call it the zero to hero story. (laughs) Because Gideon saw himself as a zero. Worthless, useless, against a huge army. And I don't know where you are this morning in your life, in your walk with the Lord. Maybe it's barren and you feel like a zero. You feel like, you know, life is tough and it's found it really hard to get up this morning and I really find it hard to, you know, do the work that I want to do, let alone what God has called me to do. And, you know, just like woe is me. You feel like that zero. Keep in mind that when you're a zero, God is still with you. And God uses zeros to become heroes. And the common equator is his presence with you. He wants you to recognize, like Gideon, that he is God. He is the one speaking to you. Yes, there may be hardships, there may be trials in life, but hang on, God is with you, and you can become the hero. Gideon is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 as part of the uh, faith chapter. He was an ordinary, timid, skeptical human, just like you and I. He lacked confidence. He fell short of complete trust in God. He was that unlikely hero. But God used him for his purpose. And he wants to use you and I. The other part of the story of Gideon is God meets us right where we're at. 
in the wine presses of life, as it were. And the wine press is not a place that Gideon wanted to be. Circumstances had forced him there, and it was not a probably a pleasant place. And yet God met him there. And I don't know where you're again where you're at this morning. Maybe you feel like you're in the wine press of life, pressed on all sides, uh, trampled underfoot, uh, just feeling like life sucks. Pardon the expression. But, you know, we've been there, right? And there's, there's times when it, it is just tough. But God wants to meet you there. And when he meets you there, then it makes all the difference in the world. God is patient. God is kind. God is loving. And God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows me better than I know myself. And he knows when I am feeling like the world is crashing in around me, that he is still there. And Gideon recognized that, and he built an altar, and he worshipped. What does it take for you to worship God? Often we say we should worship God when things are, you know, mountaintop experience, right? Just, and we have some beautiful times at camp of worship. But have you ever thought of worshiping God when life really sucks? <laughs> When it's hard, that's when God wants you to worship him. Because it's a recognition that in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the storm, God is there. And it makes all the difference in the world. Because our strength is not in us. Our strength is in God. And when we worship God, it's acknowledging that God is Lord. God is King. God is who he says he is, and we can, we can do what God has called us to do. There's a song uh, that we sing at camp, a chorus, and one of the lines says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Gideon was, a, at the beginning, was a slave to fear, hiding in a wine press. He recognized he was a child of God, and he defeated a swarm, unnumbered enemy. And you and I can do the same thing. Oh, it may not be Midianites. It may not be the, uh, uh, an army in that sense. But it may be things that Satan is throwing at you that is... Maybe causing you to doubt. Trust God. Be a Gideon. Be a hero. And win the victory. Father God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for what uh, it means here in Killarney. But also to many people uh, worldwide as they serve missionaries and as they uh, minister to various nationalities right here in their community. I thank you, Father, that 
even at times when we, as a church, as an individual, <clears throat> when we don't see you, or we don't recognize you, you're still there. And you lovingly and patiently wait for us. So, Father, teach us that your presence in our lives is the enjoyment and the excitement and the energy that we need to live this life, even if it means going through a wine press. Thank you for the story of Gideon and what it teaches us about your character, but how we should respond to you. In Jesus' name.